Hey, this is Matt from Blue October, and you're listening to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Podcast. I'm your host Jason. Uh, we have another special guest in our uh, summer-long interview series. So the draft is quickly approaching, uh, coming up in a couple days here, and we are have a special guest on Mike Morangi, who is uh, I have found extremely helpful when it comes to draft stuff. So Mike is going to go over some blues stuff, let us know about himself, talk about some St. Louis area um, prospects that are either currently in NHL or on their way up. And then uh, I'll let you know where you can find them at. So, Mike, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. My pleasure. Great to be with everybody in St. Louis. Yes. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, first discovered, kind of discovered you when I caught the uh, Puck podcast and then um, with those guys. And uh, you always go on that show quite a bit. And then you're always just found you be very knowledgeable. So thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love working with those guys. I've been working with them since 2009, and they've really helped me fulfill my dream of being a draft analyst, and I've been to several NHL drafts in person, and I look forward to going to many more, hopefully someday one in St. Louis. Yeah, hopefully with our uh, newly christened uh, Enterprise uh, Center that we might have with some new uh, upgrades, hopefully we can get an all-star game or a draft coming up soon. Uh, so hopefully that happens soon. Uh, so before we get into the draft and some other uh, things, St. Louis Blues uh, centric, uh, let's uh, why don't you let people who don't know about you let them know a little bit about you and kind of how you got into following draft prospects and then maybe uh, like maybe your favorite team or favorite player that you have right now or all time. Absolutely. Um, actually, I kind of got into the draft because my dad's family friend of ours, uh, who was a friend of my father's, was a scout, a West Coast scout for the Boston Bruins in the early '80s. And then I just kind of fell in love with the sport. I played myself, but not, I mean, I'm not very big, so I knew I was not going to go very far. So I dreamed about playing in the NHL, and then I figured, well, if I can't play in the NHL, I went other avenues with other sports. But I always had a passion for the draft. It's always fascinated me. And then what really set it over the top is when Eric, the year Eric Lindros was drafted and Quebec made the huge trade with um, then Philadelphia, well, then Quebec, now now Colorado, of course, made the huge trade to Philadelphia, and that just kind of piqued my interest, and then it just slowly became a passion, and then it's kind of turned into a little bit of an obsession, but I, I love the draft. I enjoy it just tremendously, and then if you, for me personally, I'm based in Southern California. I am a diehard Los Angeles Kings fan. I'm a season ticket holder. I have been for 11 seasons now, and my all-time favorite player, um, has some blues roots, is actually a gentleman by the name of Joey Mullen, who played with the Flames for a while, and I think if I remember correctly, he broke in with St. Louis originally, and then had, was with the Penguins in the Lemieux heydays. And he was just always my favorite player. He was, for a long time, the highest-scoring American-born player. And the reason why is because him and I had very similar skating styles because we both started on roller skates and then converted over to ice. But that's just who I am, where I come from. I mean, I was the day that the Kings became my love and passion. It was the uh, August 9th, 1988, the day of the Gretzky trade, which basically set uh, hockey up on the West Coast. 
yeah, that was a big moment for uh, not only the Kings, but kind of hockey in California, which spurned, uh, you can say, a couple franchises out there, Anaheim and San Jose, whereas uh, soon followed uh, after the fact. Oh. So Absolutely. I live less than 15 minutes. I'm a 15-minute drive from where the Ducks play play um, their home games and their practice rink. Oh, fantastic. And actually, you talked about the Lindros trade. It's probably one of my interests as well because my favorite player all time is Peter Forsberg, and so he was part of that trade. So I always kind of uh, see that trade as helps set Colorado up for a couple of their, uh, a couple of their championships for a couple of years there since uh, Forsberg turned out to be uh, – extremely good uh, player, a Hall of Famer. Uh, actually, I think Forsberg ended up being better than Lindros. And the running joke in the scouting world is that basically the Quebec traded Eric Lindros for two for two uh, Stanley Cups. Pretty much. That's, that, like, unfortunately, that's, that's Lindros the career kind of – yeah, unfortunately, his career cut short to concussions and never kind of fully panned out when they were – and he kind of got his peak there and the Legion of Doom line kind of got his peak and then he got injured and then kind of kind of fell off after that, unfortunately. Right, it's very unfortunate when any, and I don't care who he plays for or who he is, when a player's career gets derailed by injuries, it's just always devastating. It's sad to see because these guys work their whole life to get to that level and then injuries just take it all away from them. Exactly. So we'll get into, we'll get into the, the current draft soon, but I kind of wanted to talk a little bit of just St. Louis based stuff first. Uh, first off, a couple of years ago, I think it's three years ago now, I want to say, uh, St. Louis kind of was the center of the hockey universe for the first round, at least. We had five players who played their amateur hockey or grew up or was born in St. Louis. And actually another player uh, was a goalie that was taken uh, by Toronto, I believe, in the fourth round. So we had a lot of players taken uh, in the first round. I think it was two years ago. Five players in the first round, a big deal. Uh, Clayton Keller and Matthew Kachuk are the two that are kind of making their impact already in NHL. Um, out of those five guys, who do you kind of see as maybe making the biggest impact, even though Keller kind of had a really good rookie season? Obviously, Matthew Kachuk's made a name for himself, uh, maybe not on the score sheet as much, but as a kind of a pest, kind of like his dad. So who do you see out of those five guys kind of uh, panning out to be the best NHLer? Well, you know, Keller and Kachuk are both going to be any good NHL players, second and third line guys. None of these five guys are what I would call top line players, but the guy I love out of that group, and I still love to this day, is Logan Brown with the Ottawa Senators. A recent trade this season moved him to a different junior team when he went from Windsor over to Kitchener, and he's flourished, but he does not put up those 73 goals and 67 assists that you see in the junior level. He's a more of a big two-way center. They'd like him to be a little bit more physical, but he's the type of guy that you're just going to put on your third line, let him center that line, and he's going to do that for 15 years in the in the league. I personally think the way he plays defense, there's a future possible some a future Selkie nomination in in that player uh, down the road once he establishes himself with the Auto Senators. Yeah, I think he was at the time. I remember him being quote unquote the biggest project out of the two out of the five. I think but also had the biggest potential to be kind of maybe the best he turns out to be. So he's kind of maybe a little slow developing, but it seems like uh, I think Ottawa, who needs prospects to pan out really well right now, uh, could uh, have a potential uh, star there. So that's that's good to hear. And also he's the son of a uh, former Blue Jeff Brown. So that's kind of how it's uh, St. Louis related as well. Yes. Yes, I remember Jeff Brown very well. Um, I remember him coming to L.A. and winning a big, big hit way, way, way back in the day on um, – oh, 
God, his name's escaping me. Uh, Ziggy Palfy, and just laid him out. Yeah. That was, I think, Ziggy Palfy's first year with the Kings. I, I was at that game, and I'll never forget that hit. Jeff, um, but again, back to Logan Brown. He's in a great situation. If you're a young player, you want to be with a bad franchise standings-wise because that means there's just more ice time opportunities. And a lot of these younger players that you're mentioning, Kachuk and Kunin and Keller, the one thing they're going to need and it's hard for them to get is ice time. You know, when you got a when you got a ten-year veteran sitting in front of you that's making six million dollars on a bad contract, they're going to get the ice time rather than the twenty twenty-one-year-old making the league minimum. But Logan Brown's in that situation where Ottawa's got nothing to lose because we already know they're not going to win. So why not throw them out there and let them run their third line? I would be I would be stunned if he doesn't make um, Ottawa out of camp next year. Oh, that's that's good to hear. That's something something to watch for uh, St. Louis fans. Uh, we'll slowly transition into uh, Blues and also maybe St. Louis products. So the last kind of St. Louis product question is, I guess the big one this year is uh, uh, Matthew Kachuk's brother, Brady Kachuk. Uh, it's, he kind of uh, seems to be going in at least a top ten. It seems like his uh, draft values kind of maybe slightly dropped lately because others have risen up. Uh, where do you kind of see uh, Matthew, uh, excuse me, Brady Kachuk kind of panning out either as an NHLer and also maybe in this draft? You know, I see him going in this anywhere. He could go anywhere from three to eleven. This draft, once you get past, once you get past Darlene, this draft. I mean, there's some guys that like the Russian kid. There's some guys that like Zarnia. There's some guys that like to check. It just depends who they have on their board and where they like them on their board because every team ranks the players from one to whatever is listed for the draft. And sometimes you might have a guy ranked ninth, while another team has a guy ranked nineteenth. You just don't know. But Brady, I like Chuck a lot. I think he's going to be a solid NHL player. But if you want me to give you a comparison of what I need to see from him, what I would like to see with his career track is look at Mikel Granlin from Minnesota. Once he moved from center to wing and became a playmaking wing, his numbers have flourished. I think Chuck is going to need to do that. I don't see him being an elite NHL center. I think on a bad team, he could probably run your second line. But he's more of a third-line guy. But if you move him out the wing, he could be a top-six winger. And I, there's no doubt in my mind. He has the talent. And like his father, he does a lot of the dirty stuff that a lot of players coming in the league nowadays don't want to do. Is a, I know one of the knocks against him is that he's kind of either either one of the oldest or the oldest draft, one of the draft picks available. Is that kind of a knock? I mean, mind you, by oldest we're talking maybe I think in his, still in his early 20s compared to some of these kids are 18. Uh, do you see that as a maybe some team shying away from him since he's being quote unquote a little bit older than some of these draft picks, or do you still think he has the talent for them to take him? I don't think the age thing is going to be a factor because the only reason he's in this draft and wasn't in the last year's draft is he misses the draft cutoff date by one day. The draft cutoff date is September 15th, and his birthday is September 16th. That's the only reason he is in this crop of, and I think it can help him because there's one kid in the top 30 and his name's escaped me right now, who has basically been passed over twice for the draft, and now he's a 20-year-old. Um, Scott Prinovich is the kid's name. And then there's also, I'll give you a perfect example, of another player who uh, was passed over twice and has now established himself as a pre-game NHL player, going back to my LA Kings, is a gentleman by the name of Tanner Pearson, who was taken in the first round after being passed in the draft twice. And he's become a pretty good player. Some of these teams now with the league going younger might take a chance on a little bit of a 20-year-old because he might be more prone to step into the NHL right away, being a little bit more mature because 
as we know, being adults, there's a big difference in maturity between the ages of 18 and 20. So let's transition into the draft that's coming up on June 22nd. So, um, like we kind of talked about earlier, uh, you talked about the after the number one pick, it's kind of not a crapshoot, but kind of everybody has their own different who's who they value more, who they value less. This team might value a guy more than this guy. If you had to pin your top five right now, who would be your uh, top five picks in the upcoming draft? Well, in order, obviously, Rasmus Dahlin is number one. That kid is something something else. He's something special. And then me for number two, I would take Philippe Zania out of the Czech Republic. I just like the way he plays. I think he's going to be a little bit better than some of the other things. I would take Kachuk third. And then I would go a little bit off the board for number four. I like Evan Bouchard, who is one of the fastest movers. I think he's the second-best defenseman in the draft. And to give you a comparison to him, he is a exact clone of um, Alex Angelo, who came out of, if not the best defensive draft in the history of the NHL, when he was taken just behind Drew Doughty. In fact, I will tell you a true story. When I was scouting that draft, I actually wanted the Kings to take Angelo over Doughty. But, mm, you know, the, the rest is history. But, you know, it worked not a, it worked this out is an and it worked out just fine for you guys as well. So I think I think Peter Angelo is one of the best players in the league that nobody talks about. And then after Kachuk and then Bouchard, I would then take the Russian uh, Shevenkov, which, which I always have trouble saying. The only thing I don't like about Shevenkov is, is his weight. I think he needs to add another 15, 20 pounds. And he's a winger, and I just don't see wasting that high of a pick on a winger. I'd rather take a defenseman or a center. And there's a lot of other good players on the board, and I think that's the one player that might you might see drop more than Kachuk is the Russian. Just and plus, you also always got to throw in the Russian factor, which a lot of teams really shy away from nowadays. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Blues know that well with uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, and luckily that uh, that went working out for us. Um, so we'll kind of the Blues did trade away their technically trade away their pick this year, which is number one to be number one fourteen, unfortunately for the Blues for not making the playoffs. But at the trade deadline, they're able to reacquire a first-rounder, which is Winnipeg's, then we fall down to number 29. So a little bit later of a pick this time. Uh, the Blues have kind of picked later for quite a bit now. Um, so Blues fans might not be sure outside of the top maybe 10 players because they're usually the ones that are talked about the most, so that's a lot of uh, press on those guys. But num- near number 29, who do you who do you think will be available around that time that the Blues could uh, snatch if they do hold on to this pick? I'm going to go ahead and throw out three names there. One, The first name I'm going to throw out is one of the fast movers. I don't think he might be there at 29, but I just see him as an absolute perfect fit for the St. Louis Blues, and that's uh, Keandre Miller out of, the, out of the U.S. Developmental Program. This kid is already six foot four and 205 pounds. He's a left-handed shot defenseman. The thing about him is he only moved to the position five years ago after being a forward most of his life. And he's still learning the position, and he he's he's got the highest ceiling of just about anybody in this draft. I could some people have even said they could see him sneaking inside the top ten, but if he is there, um, Armstrong and the boys would pretty much sprint to the podium to take him. Uh, the other thing I love about this kid is he can skate, and he's going to go to Wisconsin and play under Tony Gran- former NHLer Tony Granado, and he's just going to learn really really fast. And I think he could come out and be the best one of the best players in this draft, and everybody's giving always likes to give comparisons, but if you wanted a game style the way he plays, he's a clone of Seth Jones. I think that is something mm-hmm. St. Louis could would fit in just so well with them. Another kid that might be sitting there that I would take, and um, a lot of people like him, he was a high junior pick, is a gentleman by the name of 
Jared McIsaac out of, Can- out of Canada. He plays for Halifax right now. He is just a smooth skating defenseman. To give you an idea, he is, if you guys, for older Kings fans out there, a clone of Matthias Nordstrom. You just stick him on your top pair, let him do, let, let Peter Angelo do what he does, and he will just cover all, all the mistakes and everything like that. A lot of people compare him to Josh Manson of the Anaheim Ducks. I say more of a Matthias Nordstrom type, just a solid skating defenseman that can skate in your, anywhere in your top four. I think he would be there. Uh, hockey, the uh, Hockey News has him ranked 34th. I, International Scouting has him 21. I could see him falling right in that. And then the third name I would throw out there is Gabriel, excuse me, Gregorenko Densnikov. Big Russian kid. So big, so powerful. Huge fast skater. Russia actually sent him home from the U18s because he plays north-south hockey and just runs people over. He was actually hurting players in practice, but he's got tremendous skill and could be one of the best shutdown forwards in the league. He's an agitator. He's an agitator like a Claude Lemieux, but much bigger. And I think that's something that could fit really good in the St. Louis lineup a few years down the road. Oh, that's awesome. So. Uh, some names for Blues fans to look out for. Like we said, if they hold on to the pick, which has been rumored to be moved, who knows what uh, will come for the first round. Uh, over the last handful of years, the Blues have done a pretty decent job of finding some gems in the draft in the later rounds in the second and third rounds. I guess most notably Colton Pareko, who we picked in the third round, and then in the number, I think it was number 84 overall. Uh, so do you have any guys, maybe a couple guys that you might see that maybe fall to the second round or might be steals in the second or third round that Blues fans might uh, keep an eye out for? Philippe Johansson out of Sweden. Sweden's um, Philippe Johansson out of Sweden, this is a very unique year for Sweden. Their top four defensemen from the World Juniors are going to be taken in this draft, and this is the fourth of the four, and I personally think it's the second best. He's just a smooth skating defenseman in the Frederick Olsen mode for old Duck fans out there. Just as a playmaker is going to put up maybe 25, 30 points at the NHL level and just skate 22 minutes a night and on your second pairing. I think if he was there and say the second or third round, I think Doug Armstrong would take him in a heartbeat. I personally think he's the second best defenseman coming out of Sweden this year. And that's saying something because there's five solid there could be five Swedish defensemen going in the first two rounds of this year's draft, but I really like this kid. I hope I'm hoping to God the Kings take. I'm hoping to God when my Kings pick, he's there and I, they take him because we all know we need blue liners as well. But that's just the kid I love. And then another Swedish defenseman is Adam Ginning, who is right around the same type of player as Johansson. He's also Darlene's partner in some of the, some situations. I think that would be another great pick. As you can see, I'm kind of favoring um, St. Louis taking a defenseman this year. Because they have a lot of good young forwards coming, I think getting another good young stud defenseman in that in that stable would help them tremendously. Yeah, I agree. Like the uh, Blues do have uh, in the last couple of years have stocked up and have had a couple of guys work out very well. Which I was going to talk to is the next question. Is Blues uh, fans have been very excited about some upcoming prospects. Uh, our prospect camp just got announced, and a couple of guys that have been added to it was Robert Thomas, Clem Costin. Uh, and Jordan Cairo, which is uh, basically your big three, if you add on Tate Thompson, who already played with the Blues last year. Technically, the big four is what the Blues fans talk about the most. Um, out of those four, who do you kind of see as maybe having the highest ceiling, becoming the best NHLer? Uh, the Blues seem to be very high on Robert Thomas. A lot of fans have already pegged Thomas and Cairo to make the team next year. Um, but who do you see kind of out of those four being kind of like the, I guess, best NHLer? 
I love Robert Thomas. I think that kid is a tremendous player. He's had a fantastic group, uh, fantastic junior career. He's a top, he's, he has the capabilities of being a top two center in the NHL. I don't know if he has the pedigree to, to be that dominant number one center that every team in the league wants, but I, if you have two really good centers that aren't necessarily the, the Kopitars, the Crosbys of the world, but if you got two top pairing centers that can play on your both lines, I think that's just as good as having a Crosby and they don't take up as much cap space. But Jordan Cairo is a solid NHL, going to be a solid NHL player. His biggest concern is, is, um, he can push the puck, he can score, but can he play in his own end? But that's a concern with a lot of younger players because they just got to learn the, learn the game. But I think Cairo and Thomas could be a great one-two punch on the second, on the third line next year and then have, as they get a little older and more mature, they can work their way up onto the second and the top line. I mean, I could see Jordan, I could see Robert Thomas centering the St. Louis Blues second line next season if they don't go out and, in free agency and go get a center, but maybe a third line center. I don't know if he's ready for 17, 18 minutes of NHL duty per night, but you guys have one of the best centers I love in the league that nobody talks about in Braden Shannon. I think he is just on the cusp of becoming an NHL elite center. So having a great center behind him, like Robert Thomas would be solid for this team. Yeah, I agree. Like obviously those fans there have their dreams of Tavares, like a lot of other teams happening right now, but uh, who knows, the Blues will go out and maybe re, uh, re-sign uh, Paul Stasny, or yeah, it could be that, just like out of the blue last year, where we acquired Braden Shen, the trade that nobody heard about or even speculated about, and uh, we acquired Braden Shen last year for two first-rounders, uh, so maybe that will happen again, or maybe the Blues will go free agency-wise. So, um, we'll start the wrap up enna- there. So. When they did announce that trade last year at the draft, I just, I looked at the ceiling and I said, what a fantastic move Doug Armstrong just made. I thought that was the best trade of the entire last calendar year. That trade was brilliant. Yeah, that worked out for the Blues. And I, I've always said, like, I don't think Philadelphia got swindled at all because they wound up picking two first-rounders, and they got a really good player, Morgan Frost, that I think is going to turn out to be a solid player for them. Uh, I think they're all – and they got another first-rounder this year, obviously, 14 inches of Pretty darn good pick, so they can get another really good player to put to their uh, crop of players that are coming up. They got one of the best, well, I say one of the best, but probably one of the definitely the youngest defense around, and they got some really good young players. So I think they have a chance to have a solid uh, future in front of them in Philly. So I think, uh, oh, like I said, absolutely, I could, both teams couldn't agree more. Completely, so. Plus, couldn't agree more. Plus, Braden Shen has a little bit of an LA Kings tie. We drafted the LA Kings drafted Braden Shen fifth overall, and then we sent him to Philadelphia in the Mike Richards deal, which got us our first Stanley Cup. So I always have a little bit of a soft spot for Braden Shen for that reason. Yeah, so he was uh, he went for working out for both teams because uh, I think he I don't know if he even played that much for the Kings. Yeah, I don't think I, or I he only played like seven or eight. He only played like seven or eight games. The deal was a number two, him and Wayne Simmons for Mike Richards, and it, it the trade worked out for the first two seasons for both teams. Yeah, I think so. And, I, and Wayne Simmons is probably – there's rumors of him possibly getting traded this year due to his contract, so they might, might get even more from that deal. Um, so since we're uh, – we'll wind it down there, so I won't keep you too long. So uh, why don't uh, you let uh, people know where they can find you? Well, you could, the best place to find me is on Twitter. Um, I don't post a lot during the off season. 
except her at the draft. And then I do post things randomly throughout the season. But the one thing about me with Twitter is, you know, you can ask me any questions and I'm more than willing to give you my opinion and answers. And I'm pretty quick upon responding. My Twitter handle is dra- the word draft underscore Mike. And I always have the current draft logo as my logo. Or you can email me um, if you want to share. My email is mcmurangi at hotmail.com. I'm a little bit quicker to answer on Twitter, but I will always answer hockey questions. I love talking draft with any of the St. Louis fans out there. I'm actually very good friends with Jeff Ponder, who has covered the team, and him and I love talking St. Louis hockey. We do it a couple of times a year, and uh, I really, really look forward to the questions. I will talk draft with anybody, and I'm hoping someday that there will be a draft in St. Louis because I'm really looking forward to coming to that city. Yeah, hopefully uh, there was. I, and I had actually had the privilege of going to the last draft in St. Louis, which I believe was 95, if I remember off the top of my head. I just noted the Marty Reasoner draft. Uh, so The I Marty Reasoner. That's, that's how I remember drafts, too, because my first draft I attended was 2008 in Columbus, I believe, was my first draft. And I've been to every draft since. I did not go last. Last year I did not go, and I'm still up in the air if I'm going to go this year. But even if I don't go, I will still be sitting at home watching it on TV, tweeting like crazy. I will uh, definitely be glued to your Twitter because I will actually be on my way to uh, Georgia that night. So I will not be able to sit in front of the TV and watch like I normally do. We normally have a live draft show that we do, uh, so we won't be doing it this year. So I'll be uh, I'll be ch- definitely have your uh, – Twitter handle open just to make sure to see how draft the draft is going and trying to see the results that night. So it should be interesting. So Mike, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show. And then maybe after the draft and after kind of free agency settles down, maybe we can have kind of a recap of how the draft went uh, and go over some picks then. Oh, would love to come back anytime. I'm more than willing to. And um, you guys have a wonderful off season and I hope the blues have a great season next year and a really good off season. Yeah, me too. We do as well. So hopefully, and then maybe we'll see the Kings in the playoffs again because they're always fun. Maybe we'll come out ahead one for once, though. Looking forward to it always. All right. Thanks, Mike. Anytime. Bye-bye. <laughs>